If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. Let's get started because I know your time is very valuable and I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And we are joined by Michael Valdez, the president, correct? President of growth? Chief growth officer. Chief growth officer. Yep. I mean, uh, chief growth officer with eXp Realty. And uh, I mean, years and years and years of experience in the business as a whole. You were, uh, was it, uh, was it Sotheby's you were with or, or Remax? So I was, I was with Realogy. Realogy, So it's all all the brands, including Sotheby's, Caldwell Banker, Century 21, ERA, Better Homes of Garden and Corcoran. Yep. That's right. It was funny because we were, uh, uh, I was at an event not too long ago with Michael and uh, this person, this agent came up to him and said, I know you from somewhere. And they started going back and forth. And and it was an agent from Mexico whenever Michael had opened up a office in Mexico, I think through Realogy at that time, right? Yeah. Was that kind of the story. That's and then right. we hadn't seen each other in 10 years, but just ran right. into each other randomly. Um so it was good times. But anyways, uh, you know, the funny thing is, let me tell you the story how Michael. Right. All right. We got, uh, let me tell you the story real quick about Michael and I and how our relationship has developed over the last year and a half or so, because I, this is something that I, I, I talk about a lot because, you know, something that we talk about with our, our team, our immediate team, uh, our organization, or any agents that I get in this ecosystem, because you know we work with agents from all brands, all brokerages, all walks of life. And something that you know, a lot of people always make the comment that, man, you guys have really grown and scaled very quickly. And I will tell you, hands down, it is from events. You know, it is from events. It is meeting the right people, being in the right rooms, and you gain access. Uh, If you're coming in a little bit late, please go on mute as soon as possible. That would be very nice. Thank you very much. And so, you know, the thing is, is we talk about events and and where most agents are are not willing to make that investment because they look at the price of a plane ticket or the price of an event or the price of the hotel and they attach a monetary value to that, which is usually too expensive, right? They don't they don't look at the the backside of that. They don't look at what could come of that. They don't look at the monetary gain or the relationship gain, which could lead to a monetary gain down the road. And so for us to get out and about on these events, has allowed us access to people that you know we would would be very difficult to get a hold of. First of all, Michael does not uh, volunteer his time randomly. You know, a lot. You know, he's got a lot going on. When you're running a global organization, there's a lot to do. But one thing I know is important to him as well is getting to events. And so, uh, what happened over the last year and a half or so is. Michael and I became gym buddies because we were always at the gym, at the hotel, in these conferences at 5 a.m. You know, uh, I've talked about this before as far as maintaining a uh, maintaining a schedule as much as possible. And so whenever I travel or go in gyms as well, one of the first things I do is I get up and I I'd go to the gym. I got to get a workout in. And so what's funny is there would be Michael. And it's not that we ever coordinated, just we started showing up at a lot of the same conferences and not even not even brokerage related, but you run into these conferences like uh, like Inman or um, other real estate conferences where Michael has a presence or he may be speaking. And, you know, I think it's something that, you know, someone in his position uh, of leadership, you know, takes note of that uh, as far as, you know, they're they're wondering, right? A lot of agents will go to these these meetings. Uh, if you can go on mute, please. Let me see. we got a hot mic. Uh, you know, if people go on these meetings. Um, you know, a lot of times it's their chance to get out and party and have a good time <laughs> and they don't get up in the morning and they and they sleep in or they miss uh, some of the meetings. But for me, it's an opportunity to get there to learn. And and so we've developed this. I said I, I call it the gym relationship in the beginning because we just always saw each other there in the morning. And and uh, Michael, I mean, you, you wouldn't tell it, but I mean, uh, he's he's a little bit older, but but still looking young and fresh. And I think you're what biologically uh, 10 years younger. Is that what your Viome test said? Right. Yes, it was. Thank God for that. That's <laughs> that 5 a.m. at the gym. Yeah, there you go. So 
So that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't even keep count of the amount of conferences, probably at least six or seven that uh, I've probably run into Michael over the last year and a half. And so our, our relationship has just developed from there. And, you know, Michael has introduced me to very important people and people that I probably wouldn't have access to. And, and if I just tried to call on the phone or send an email to, I would probably get shoved off in the stack, you know, with, with all the other requests that come in. But whenever you're in that proximity, and I'll just use Inman as a very uh, simple example, because, well, Inman, oh, not only the relationships that Michael introduced me there, but uh, a lot of you saw in my stories or on my post about ringing the NASDAQ bell with EXP. You know, that was that was an invite from Michael. And because we were at an event before that uh, in the gym and Michael's like, hey, are you going to Inman? I was like, yeah, I am going to Inman. Actually, we're speaking there. And he goes, man, that's really cool. Hey, we're ringing the bell. I had no idea, you know, had no clue. And he's like, we're ringing the bell. Uh, Let me see if I can get you in. And it was just a simple a simple offer like that, that was, you know, something that I would never even fathomed the opportunity of, you know, getting that opportunity. Uh, yeah, I just had never even thought about it. And and so that came about and I got on the floor. Now I was kind of crammed off in the back. So you won't really see me <laughs> in, in a lot of the pictures because I mean, everybody rushed to get front and center, which I was like, that's cool. I was just happy to be there. But it was a great experience and got to spend some time, uh, you know, with Glenn Sanford, the founder and CEO as well, some one-on-one time. But when I had a question and I needed a connection, I went to Michael and I said, hey, who do you know that could might be able to help me out with this situation? And he immediately took me to the direct person that could that is the decision maker on that. And and uh, so that that's leading to more and more opportunity. And it's not just from Michael. It's, this has happened over and over again at these events. So I just wanted to kind of tell that story. And, you know, thank you, Michael, again, for coming on today and sharing your your time and expertise with us. But also, you know, I appreciate you uh, just, you know, developing that relationship and, and being open to agents, especially the ones you see showing up over and over again. So let me start off with the first question and ask you, you know, but wait, before you, before you ask a question, I want to jump in because you've been really kind with a lot of that introduction. And I've got to tell you, it's it's because of who you are. It's because of what you bring to the table that it's 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 my pleasure and honor to to help and support you because you're helping so many people. Look at all the folks that are on this call today and all the lives that everyone here is is really affecting. So it's a really a ripple effect that we're all doing. And I've heard your story and your story is incredibly encouraging. And I wanted your story to get out there. And I wanted to support you in that because that's how you support others. So I just wanted to sort of thank you for who you are and what you're doing for others. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, So I wanted to just start off with asking, you know, um, is there any more in your background you wanted to share or want people to know? And then also, if we could transition to since we were talking about conferences, you know, is what have conferences meant for you in your career? Because I'm sure you've been to hundreds of them, if not (laughs) thousands. Well, yes. Um, So just for anyone who doesn't know me, so I'm Michael Valdez. I'm the chief growth officer for EXP. I joined EXP in May of 2020, uh, right in the heart of the pandemic. And um, I joined as president of EXP Global. And uh, my team and I helped expand the EXP brand from the three countries that EXP was in, which was Canada, the United Kingdom, and Australia, to 24 countries. So we expanded uh, 20 countries in two years without ever getting on a plane and starting in the middle of a pandemic. So it's never been done in our industry. Prior to that, I was the senior vice president of Realogy. So I handled all of the global expansion for all six Realogy brands, which was Sotheby's, Caldwell Banker, Century 21, ERA, Better Homes and Garden, and Corcoran. And so that was uh, roughly about 113 countries, over 300,000 agents uh, collectively with Realogy. And then I met Glenn uh, probably about three years ago now. I met Glenn at Inman. Um, and it was um, a three, it was three years ago. So I had met Jason first, Jason Guessing. Jason Guessing and I were on a panel for global real estate probably a month before Inman in 2019. 
And so we had a uh, we had a great um, sort of kinship that happened. I'd never met Jason before. And we went out for coffee and, you know, the whole conversation was on global. And Jason says to me, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, would, could we ever have a conversation on an EXP global? And so I sort of said, sure, I'll talk to anybody. And so uh, we ended up having a what was supposed to be a 20 minute meeting with Glenn ended up being almost a three hour meeting as we're just exploring. And I just really loved the idea of what EXP was doing and the disruption they were causing in our industry. And then I came over. So it's been an incredible, an incredible run. And it's really been in a great story of our growth and the story that this has done across the globe. And the idea that what the EXP vision and concept was truly was able to transpire and, and transform into what is now 12 languages and 24 countries around the globe. And the last country we opened was Dubai in December of last year. And uh, everything is just going so strongly. I mean, you know, in the United Kingdom, we are the fourth largest estate agency in the country. In South Africa, we're the ninth largest out of more than 5,000 estate agencies. So to sort of think about the growth that we've had in such a short period of time is really phenomenal. And it's just us the idea of this resonating across the globe. But Levi, you're asking about conferences. So yeah, I've done endless number of conferences. I can't even sort of like tell you if that was uh, what what that was and what that number was. But, um, you know, I try to uh, to go out as much as I can to support agents as much as possible. And um, so I probably do two to three events a month now. Um, and, um, and that's really sort of like in-person events, not counting this, not counting my podcast, not counting a whole bunch of other stuff. So that's just sort of like trying to be, um, really visible for the agents. Um, next month in March will be at the regional rallies. So I'll be at the Detroit regional rally, and then we'll be, uh, in Cabo for, uh, Brent Gove's event. Oh yeah. I'll see you there in Cabo for sure. Yes, you will at the gym at five in the morning. Yeah, of course. Well, that that's one, right. that one's a little spotty, right? It usually does. <laughs> yeah, that's eight. more run on the beach at six. Yeah, there you go. Um, yes. Yeah. That's more of a 6am at least uh, six. Seven. That's right. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. So and that's a great thing. Again, you know, Michael's always out and about um, yeah. Detroit regional rally. We've got one coming up here in Dallas, uh, March 21st, yes. um, March 21st is the one well it's actually in fort worth so that is different from dallas but, <laughs> but anyways, yeah so, so i've been told yeah yeah you, you've got your pulse on everything and it's funny you mentioned you did all that without getting on a plane so back when you were with realogy you used to do this but on a plane right that's why you met that person in mexico 10 years ago because you used to just travel to every single location to have to open up a brokerage right? i was doing 200 days traveling when i was with realogy every single year at at least a quarter of a million miles on american <laughs> wow they love me oh yeah you're like uh yeah you're like the George Clooney in that movie Up in the Air whenever I've got I've got four and a half million miles with American Airlines. <laughs> yes. Yes. And no lie. All right. Well, hey, if you got any companion tickets, let me know. I'll be there. There you go. That's exactly it. <laughs> So good. So let me, I wanted to get your take on it since you, you've got a pulse on uh, not just the U.S., but the global market as well. But, you know, kind of what do you see right now for real estate in 2023? Uh, you know, what, what would you, what would you say your overall look is? And then, and then also is, is, do you see this trending in a positive manner, in a negative? Of course, everything we see on the news right now, especially on YouTube, which we talk a lot about YouTube, you know, every thumbnail on YouTube has fire and brimstone yeah. and things exploding and houses sinking in the ocean and things like that. So what are you looking at from the global perspective, but also in the U.S. for 2023? Look, we were all preparing for what was going to be a very, very tough year. And I think that we were all looking at what was NAR projections of a 30% decrease of transactions. 
And so, you know, we, we were really preparing for that in a lot of ways, looking at what we could do to ensure that we could um, sustain that as a publicly traded company. And so I'm happy to report that at January close numbers, I can't uh, disclose anything fully because we don't, uh, we haven't reported yet, but um, our January numbers, I'll give you an example, internationally, um, we actually surpassed where what our forecast was for January. And when we start looking at U.S. numbers, they were still very, very strong uh, when we were looking at things. So January actually wasn't as bad as we expected it to be. Now, hopefully that's the trajectory that continues to go. Anecdotally, we had seen there was a pause in the market, probably between, you know, towards the end of the year and the beginning of this. But it looks as though transactions are starting to occur again, especially in major cities. I live in Miami and New York. Um, I am a very active buyer in real estate. Um, I have actually purchased two properties this month myself. And it's uh, it before... I actually wasn't willing to participate in a bidding war, knowing what values should have been. Values in at least my cities have started to uh, to get to, I wouldn't say pre-COVID prices, but I would probably say just a little bit of an uptick above that, but more realistic prices. You see things that were uh, on the market longer, you were sort of seeing price decreases, but what you're sort of seeing was the market trying to understand what it was and the buyer demand and people that were in cash waiting to see what that market was going to level off at. I think we're sort of like at that period of time now where people are comfortable enough on both parts of that equation, where we're seeing transactions start again in a, in, 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 in a good way. And that's a strong indicator of where we are. You know, interest rates uh, uh, went down a bit. And so it's starting to normalize as well. So I, I'm actually very bullish for this year, especially what we're seeing thus far in the first two weeks of the of the calendar year. Okay, yeah. So I mean, that was something that we have seen locally here in Dallas is the first two weeks of January very quiet, and then all of a sudden the last two weeks of January we uh, we did very well. You know, did better than what we yeah. were suspecting. And then, uh, so that's helped out for February and, uh, yeah. And you're in, and being in Miami, I know you split time between Miami and New York, but those are two markets that are, that are always seen as being way overvalued quickly. And then also, you know, experiencing the biggest crashes, right. Uh, and well, Miami, especially New York is more constant because of the, the different sectors that are housed in New York, like the financial industry and things like that and fashion and others. Um, but Miami is actually one where, well, a lot of a lot of the East Coast folks have actually, you know, moved to Miami, Miami, and and uh, it does have the advantage. Well, Florida as being one of the seven tax-free states, and so there was a mass exodus of people moving into those states. Obviously, Texas being one of those as well, and so we've seen a lot of movement in those particular states. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's good to hear what's happening in Dallas as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. So doing better than expected. Let me see. And then also, um, now that you you are by you, you mentioned you're an active investor as well. So you've bought properties. That's funny because uh, we're actually locking up a couple of properties on top of that, and you can get some amazing deals right now, right? There's some right. you can get some concessions and uh, and some buy down rate opportunities. Uh, where right. do you mind if I ask which markets you recently purchased in? Are you purchasing close to home? Or are you? So you I, I purchased I purchased a, um, another property in Miami, and I've uh, and I'm closing on a property in Tulum. Oh yeah, oh Tulum, very nice. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that one. I'm gonna have a lot of friends soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, just remember, just remember who your gym friend was uh, before before Tulum came around. Uh, That's that's awesome. Well, you know, I think we discussed too, I've got property in Belize. So we're practically neighbors. We're neighbors. I know. So, and you can drive right over. Yeah. Helicopter. Well, yeah, because mine's on the island. You can't get to Mexico from that standpoint, but you can from the mainland. If you go from the mainland, I believe Tulum's about a four hour drive from Belize City. Um, but we'll see. That that could be a very adventurous uh, couple of weeks in the summertime sometime. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, 
I love it. So, okay. So what, so now, I mean, let's, let's touch on that as well. You're buying property. Uh, we know we've got several clients also back in the market now buying property. So what, what do you say for the agents? And by the way, if you're on this call, we're here for you guys. So drop your questions in the chat, uh, because this is your, your opportunity to ask them. So if you have any questions, we'll get to those, but also, um, you know, how do you how do you make that decision? What are you seeing overall as far as interest rates? You know, what are, what is your thought process on that? Because a lot of agents are struggling with that conversation right now with their clients on interest rates and they're letting them hold that back, but you know, we know that people are buying and selling homes every single day regardless. So, what has that been for your thought process and what do you think would help agents as well on this on on the rate fluctuation discussion? It, de it depends on what you're purchasing for and why. For example, Tulum is just an investment property. And my ROI in Tulum is probably about 17%, which is sort of ridiculous. And my interest rates are actually higher in Mexico as a foreign national. So I actually have a 10% interest rate. And I'm less concerned about that. So if I'm net positive, I don't care what the interest rate is. Um, you know, it's a, uh, you have to look at your numbers and interest rate is just one of the terms, right? I mean, are you looking to sort of look at this to flip? Um, look at where the the interest rates have been historically, right? A year ago, we were at half of what these interest rates are. So interest rates are cyclical. Real estate is cyclical. So when we start looking at, I mean, would you not buy the same property you were looking at that might be a quarter of a million dollars cheaper now because interest rates went up 3%? I mean, it's sort of like you really have to do the math as to what your net result is and what your hold period is. You have to look at all the factors that, that are involved in any real estate transaction. If you're looking at holding on to this for, for a year and flipping, interest rates might be more of an issue for you than, 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 than not in a consideration. But if you're looking at something where you're holding for two years plus, you're going to know that there's going to be another cycle to interest rates. Um, interest rates are also going to be um, uh, very sensitive to politics. We have a new election coming up next year. And so we have to think about that as well. So there's a lot of factors that are involved there. And your conversation needs to turn much more global and macro in nature so that when you're really talking to a, a, a client, they're looking at you as the expert. So you need to understand what interest rates mean. You need to understand where that global landscape is. You guys might be in very major cities, right? Things like Dallas, New York, Miami have a huge international um, uh, onset of buyers. So whatever country they're coming from, you have to understand the reasons that they're looking to diversify their portfolio, because then you're much more valuable to them. You're valuable to them in that conversation. They're paying you, you know, 3% or 6% if you're double-ended, and they're paying you that for advice. They're paying you that for truly being that trusted advisor in their transaction, right? We can get, anyone can get the majority of the information that they need on the internet. They don't need us for that. They need us to understand what they can't get on the internet. You know, Levi has created a career by really sort of showing somebody what the lifestyle is in Dallas. You know, it's not about sort of like, here's a three bedroom, two bath in, 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 in Dallas that's, you know, a million dollars. I can find that out myself. What's that going to be? What's my lifestyle going to be when I'm there? Right. That's the conversation that we need to sort of change to. And if there's a larger conversation of somebody who is sensitive with uh, with pricing, then we need to understand what that effect is truly going to be and how we have that conversation with somebody so that we actually add value to that conversation. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're spot on there. And uh, we talk about that in making videos, you know, that it's funny because we say, well, yeah, why, why are the videos so popular? Well, people can go on, to, on 
you know, an iBuyer platform and look at a house, the inside and out and the price all day long. But what they can't see really is the house next door, the house across the street, yeah. the playground down the street, the community pool. I mean, they can see that some of that stuff in pictures too, but it doesn't really give them the, the full feeling, especially those people you mentioned coming from all of the outside areas. And if you're anywhere in the Sun Belt the Bible Belt, you know, whatever it is you want to call that, the Southeast, uh, you know, these areas that are a little bit more, you know, freedom friendly tax. Although, you know, California is not doing bad. I mean, they're still having some 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 really good numbers there. New York, I mean, still holding strong as well. You see Miami, uh, of course, being in Florida helps out quite a bit, although uh, we've known they've had some some big increases and, and big decreases in the past, still holding steady. I think the other big factor right now is that uh, the reason we're not seeing the the big crashes that everyone predicted. I mean, there's so much equity right now in yeah. in in the U.S. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's crazy whenever you look at the stats on that. But I think going back to Michael's point, very very important to help people understand the the math behind it. First of all, you have to understand why you know why they are reaching out in the first place, and why are they reaching out? And that's why we always talk about that on our videos as well is if you have questions or thinking about, you know, making this move, you have to give us a call because you're, we have to, we have to customize that conversation to you. And when we do live streams, uh, people will ask them, ask us very uh, point blank questions in the chat, you know, what's the best neighborhood, you know, uh, you know, when we're, when we're on a live stream and we always say, well, look, you know, that's, that's tough to answer because we don't know you. So what we advise is just give us a call tomorrow and we'll touch base. And so, and that, that generates a lot of phone calls when we do those live streams, because that people are kind of looking for just, you know, black and white answers, but that's not really the case because every, everybody's situation is different. And uh, I'm looking at a property right now as well. And I just made the decision this morning to pull the trigger on it because once I did the math on it, it makes sense, you know, it just makes go. sense. Yeah. So uh, uh, what else? Let me see. Uh, okay, we get, let's see. Let's go with, uh, I got a question. I've got a couple more for you, but let's jump in here with Carla. She said she'd like to know what uh, what foundation I should have in place to prepare for the, oh, okay. Well, that's more of a YouTube question. So let's, if we can have any more questions related to uh, Michael and, and his experience overall from looking at global markets and uh, where real estate is going. That's what I would like to uh, keep focus the questions on a little bit more towards. We I talk about YouTube all the time and all the other calls. So so let's uh, let's this is this is for you guys on on general real estate uh, questions as far as um, uh, you know going that route. So let me ask you this then. So uh, what are what else what else should agents look out for in this year? I mean what what do you, what are you seeing uh, if we look at the basics as far as helping them? get, uh, you know, get back into it to now that we know people are going to be coming back to the market right now. Uh, what would you see would be the, some of their best opportunities to prepare for this? You know, I think that with a lot of the real estate professionals that got into the business in the last few years, they never saw a shift in the market. They never had to ask for a price reduction. They only sort of knew how to take orders. You got a new listing uh, in the morning. By lunchtime, you had four offers on it. And so the market shifted a bit, right? So now you actually have to hone your skills. You have to actually be there for the client in a different way. You actually have to be that advisor. One of the things that I actually always sort of tell people, if you were in that market, and you were either lucky enough to be representing that seller and had the multiple offer situation, or you were representing a buyer and putting in infinite amount of offers. How many times did you get a call back from that listing agent and said, I'm sorry, your offer wasn't accepted? But I can tell you, I got zero calls and I probably put in maybe 20 offers during between in the last uh in the last 2 years of different properties at different price points and things like that i never ever got a call back from anyone sort of saying you got outbid you got this you know it went another way and so what happens now is that your relationship in the community is is now sort of faltered right because it wasn't just the the common courtesy of going to your colleagues 
not just your EXP colleagues, your colleagues in the industry. And these are the people that are going to bring you your next buyer, right? And now the people that, you know, maybe your offers are not coming in as strong, all of those other agents might still be the ones that are working with these buyers. And so now you have to repair a relationship because they're going to remember you never call them back. And so we need to come back to basics. We need to come back to the basics of running your business. And you have to also come back to the idea of creating your business plan. I'm a huge proponent on business plans. And I always sort of say success is the math equation. You want to make a million dollars at the end of the year? Great. Figure out what your average commission is. Figure out what how much you have to sell every single month. Figure out how many calls or what your sphere of influence is to get you to that client base, to get to the number of transactions you want to get to. So you need to come back and create your business plan so that you can go out there and create whatever you want to create for yourself because everything is doable. Success is a simple math equation. And so when you go and do that, you also have to remember that you're in a people business. That doesn't just mean you and your client. That means you and your colleagues. You have to remember to build your relationship in this business so that people want to do business with you. Remember when I was in production, I remember that I was selling a lot of um, real estate to Russians. There was a lot of Russians coming into Miami um, in, in sort of like 2004, 2005 is when I got into the business. And so um, some of them were very, very demanding, but I had a lot of clients because I came from the banking industry. I was at Deutsche Bank for 10 years before getting into real estate. And so when that happened, a lot of other colleagues that weren't even in my, with the company that I was working with, but knew me in Miami because I was selling in Miami and they were saying to me, we can't deal with them. Just give me a referral. And so people that weren't in my organization kept giving me buyer referrals, if you can imagine. And it was just the fact of I was absolutely open to everyone. And I was just there giving information and, and helping people, whether they were in my company or not. And that came back to me tenfold. So that's something you have to remember is that you're in this people business and people means everyone around you. Yeah. <laughs> More great points. That is the truth. I mean, you could not get a listing agent to hardly even pick up the phone last year. This this time that doesn't even ring. You dial a listing agent, they're like, oh, hello. I know. I've been waiting for your call. Uh, how, how are you? Oh, uh, Travis. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. Yes. I mean, it's uh, it, it is amazing. So that is true. You it's 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 consistency in, in how you treat people is is I think will will add you know really develop your reputation your brand and that's what I believe brand is is reputation right and so you know yeah how do you want to be seen and and uh, so that's that's that plays into it uh, no matter if it's up or down it's something else like Brent Gove talked about that uh, you know we were at an event. And it really kind of hit home for me, too, because he, he was talking about that in the form of leadership, you know, yeah. with, with your groups and your teams. He's like, do you think any spouse, any team member, you know, you know, does a spouse want to be with a, another spouse that is up and down on their on their you know personality and their mood and their and, you know, just all over the place? One day they're happy. One day they're sad. One day they're happy. One day they're mad, you know, or do you want to deal with somebody, an agent that you know, you're like, oh, that's the listing agent. And you know, that's the case, right? You, your, your, your client wants to put an offer and you look at that listing agent and you're like, oh my God, I got to talk to this person. <laughs> you know, do you, do you want people to have that feeling about you or, or uh, that situation and how you treat people in the ups and the downs when you're having a good day or not such a good day? All of that plays off, especially, you know, when you answer the phone, all those types, all those types of things come into play because people pick up on tonality, uh, you know, inflection, mm -hmm. those types of things. So even if it's a conversation on the phone, if you just stubbed your toe and you answer the phone, you're like, yeah, hello. Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing I never understood. I mean, if you're not in my phone, I'm going to answer the phone and say, hello, this is Levi, you know, just, just to, uh, I don't know, just to kind of break the ice. Right. And, and so if you're not in my phone, 
uh, because I want people to know because I and I can't stand whenever somebody calls you and they just uh, they don't introduce themselves or kind of give you a little context of why they're calling. And so, you know, all those things really do matter. And uh, yeah, Brent was talking about that, especially in leadership positions. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be on a team or be a part of a group that the leader is just fluctuating up and down from day to day is like a loose cannon. So, so uh, I think that plays the same. And now we're seeing that as well. Listing agents happy, but now as a buyer, you know, as a buyer's agent, now that you're on that side and you've got the opportunity, then think about that as well, because as you have listings, you want to keep in mind as, as, as that comes up too. So, so that's, those are all great points. Let me see. I think uh, there was a question in here. There's a few of them that jumped in. Can I actually jump on a couple of these? Yeah, go for it. I was going to read this so, one for you. Is it the Los Angeles one? Uh, I was going to start with the last one first. Okay, go, go for it. Yep. Because I like that one. Um, so how do you network and make great connections at conventions? And I think there's a lot of great things there. Most every convention will usually have an attendee list on their website. Start communicating and making connections before you get there. But the other thing is make sure you're offering something, not asking for something. So whether that be a market report for your area, there might be people that would be very interested in where you're from. What if you were offering somebody, you know, the, the market report for Dallas before you got to that convention? And people that might be having an interest in coming in or having clients that were interested in that, that's much better than sort of saying, hey, if you got somebody that wants to buy in Dallas, have them call me. Something of value, by the way. Value, by the way. What can I give you? of service, you will always win. Yeah, I like that because around here and this one guy I follow online, his name is Pace, Pace Morby. He have and how can I help you? You know, because he said, you know, you ask, what do you have? Because it, especially if you're in the investor environment, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I've got this dealer. I got that dealer. I'm working on this dealer. I'm working on that dealer. Or it could be, what do you have? And somebody may say, well, I have a I have a construction company. I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I have a construction company. I'm looking to rehab, you know, properties. And so, you know, as uh, and that's something that people, if if they're not familiar with us, and they say, well, what do you have? I just say, well, we've we've got a pretty good YouTube channel in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> you know, uh, it's kind of like that's what we have. But uh, asking those questions, but exactly what Michael said, service mentality. It's the same thing that we talk about, uh, which is an upcoming chapter in our book, by the way, coming out on March seventh. And passive prospecting, we have a whole chapter dedicated to selfish versus service-based marketing. And you could look at yeah. that same concept for whenever you go to events. And we talk about this when we make videos is if I made a video, like Michael said earlier, oh, here's my listing at, you know, one, two, three main street. It's a three bedroom, two bath. Uh, yeah. The, the problem is, is like, nobody's really searching that micro content. Plus they don't know the address to look for it in the first place. And nobody's going to correlate if they see something, uh, you know, for sale online, they're not going to jump over to YouTube and say, oh, I wonder if there's a video about this. It doesn't work that way. People are searching for value-driven content, which is they're trying to learn, right? People are on, on YouTube to, to research and to entertain. Entertain and educate uh, is what we like to say. Entertain and educate. So they're, if they're going for the education, and uh, I was on Michael's podcast, and he said, wait a second, you're selling real estate without talking about real estate? <laughs> and uh, Is that what you're doing? I was like, yeah, we just kind of, we sell Dallas. You know, we, we talk about Dallas, the lifestyle. Yeah, living living and, and doing all the fun stuff around Dallas and neighborhoods. Of course, we incorporate neighborhoods, but we give people the whole picture and what to see. That is service-driven content, right? It's 100% value up front. Uh, same thing with, you know, with your, your channel banner, we talk about that as well. So that's a great point when Michael says, go to these events. Uh, how can you help out? You know, uh, how can you serve? What can you, what can you do for other, what are, what is your specialty? You know, so how can I help you? I mean, that's a great question when you meet somebody because people will introduce all the time, shake hands and uh, you know, Hey, 
what market are you in? Yeah. What do you have? How can I help you? You know, very simple questions to work on there. It's so true. Yep. Um, or you go to enough of them. You just like each other by default, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just show up at the chip at five in the morning. There That's you it. go. Yep. Uh, so let me see. So I had, uh, I'm going to go back to see. So yeah, Karen right. said, Michael, yeah, she said, what are your thoughts about the Los Angeles market? The buyers I'm talking to, for some reason, have the false information that the market will crash, even when I explain to them the lack of inventory and also high homeowner equity. And that that could really apply to any market. So any, any yeah. thoughts on that? And look, and, and, and I think you have to sort of break down your market. This is, again, when you become the expert. Los Angeles is too large of a territory to really talk about it in its totality, because then everything somebody is reading will be focused on the larger picture, right? And so I know Los Angeles well, I've had properties in Los Angeles, but when you're talking about, you know, Beverly Hills is very different than Hancock Park, than Santa Monica, than Thousand Oaks and Encino and Pasadena. It's sort of like you have to bring it down to where you're looking at geographically, because then you also have to understand that seller or that buyer that's coming in. So why is the buyer coming into the market? What is their goals? We haven't qualified that buyer enough to then just sort of say, the market's going to crash. I'm not interested. That's a non-starter, right? That's someone who is now coming from a place of fear. We haven't figured out what their touch points are yet. We haven't asked the right questions yet. And so we have to sort of then go back to ourselves and truly sit down with that client. Tell me what 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 your what what the market if the market were to crash, describe that to me. Right. So to them, a crash could be, you know, 10 percent, 20 percent. It's sort of like then you go back and you talk about it from historical data. Right. You got to come back and, and everything again. Success is a math equation and all the numbers are there. The, the, the data is there. When you start looking at where has the historic prices been in Los Angeles and more specifically in different neighborhoods within Los Angeles and talk about that, talk about the cyclical effect that it's gone and go back 20 years. Those numbers are easy to find, by the way. And look at that and then go back to the client and sort of say, define what a crash would be in your eyes. If you were to buy today and then you get an, an LA gets a crash in air quotes, what would that affect you? What's that story? Find out what those pain points are because they're giving you a headline and reading it back to you. LA is going to crash. I'm not entering the market. And then it's sort of like, that's just a fear sort of response. You need to come back and truly find out what their pain points are and then be of service to them. Then give them the information that they need. They're just reading a headline back to you. You're trying to show them numbers on an aggregate and a macro. You're not having, you're not answering their question. You're not answering their fear point. You haven't found that out yet. So I think you need to come back and sort of say, if LA were to crash, what would that look like for you? And take it back to them. Have a conversation that brings you back to a different level of discovery. And then you'll go from there to talk about, well, look at what the market has done in these four neighborhoods you're looking at over the last 40 years. The markets are cyclical. And once you sort of show the data, you're going to have a very different response from that buyer. That'd be my advice. Yep. And when you find those things out, yeah, why? I mean, the thing is, is that you don't lose equity or gain equity until you sell. So, I mean, if you're, right. not, if you're not, I mean, it, yeah, the equity may go up and down, but it doesn't matter if you're in that property, living there, holding on to it, not going to move. Or if you're going to move, that's when, that's whenever it matters. But we all know if you're buying, especially a single family home or a, a primary residence, as most of our clients are doing, unless we're, we're working with investors, a lot of them see this, right? They're very easy to have those number conversations with on investors. Uh, so that's that's usually not the issue. It's usually 
homeowners or potential homeowners that are concerned about this. But again, most people, whenever they buy a home, they're going to be there between three to five years. That's just mm-hmm. the other stats of it. So, you know, which, what real estate crash has ever lasted, you know, five years in totality or three years in totality. And even if it did drop in a year, it's probably going to, you know, come back even higher from that standpoint. So, you know, it's just, it, there's so many talking points. We could definitely go down the list. Uh, we, we got some, we do have some uh, Mexico investment questions. Now you've, you've uh, opened that Pandora's <laughs> that? box. Yeah. You've opened that Pandora's box. Let's see in Mexico, are you buying small condos, beach properties? Uh, what's a great way to connect with good agents in Mexico? So I've actually, um, you know, be because of my position, I exclusively use EXP agents with my transactions. And uh, we have 900 incredible agents in Mexico with EXP. Ismael Gonzalez is the broker of record in Mexico. He is incredibly, incredibly great at connecting with folks. He knows his agents really, really well and can put you in touch with who the superstars are in the various markets you're looking at. Um, The property that I'm closing on is a penthouse apartment that's five minutes from the beach in Tulum. Um, And and it has about um, a historic Airbnb um, rental of 220 days uh, for the last four years. So I'm, I'm actually just buying the ROI business. There you go. And it probably won't hurt to stay there once or twice a year. No, exactly. One of those hundred <laughs> odd days that are free. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, Michael, what are you? Uh, what are you most excited about in 2023? Huh. I am. Listen, I'm actually excited about this market because even if it is a downturn, there are greatness that happens in downturns. You know, when you start thinking about like the last major downturn of 08, 09, um, there were some amazing companies that came out of that. Do you know that WhatsApp was founded in 2009? Uber was founded in 2009. Um, EXP was founded in 2009. And so when we actually are in a strong market and we're all racing and doing things, there's not a moment for us to stop, right? And so now when there's a pause in the market, there's these wonderful things that are coming out. I mean, just look at what AI is doing to our industry with chat GPT. And, you know, I've been uh, lucky enough to, to, to know some folks that are really in that AI space. And what's coming next, the next generation of this is going to make like chat GPT look like, you know, a Blackberry. And it's exciting what is happening with technology in our industry and what is the future of our industry. And it's a fast moving one. I think 2023 will show us a lot of technology that's out there. And it's a, it's it's just the fact that it's going to make our business easier to perform those people that sort of say oh my god if sort of like if technology comes in my position as a real estate agent is 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 threatened it's just the opposite you have to embrace it because you are now able to do your job much more effectively for someone and you can serve more people in a greater expanse with technology That's a great answer. And I want to cap it off with one more I saw in the chat, uh, because I know we're coming up to the top of the hour and we want to want to keep this on time. So and I thought this was a great question, though, which was, you know, Michael, how what was your thought process or the decision that that kind of steered you into the corporate path? Where did you you know, did you see yourself moving that direction? Clearly, you started out with production. Were you thinking of growing a a massive team in the beginning and then uh, you know, corporate came calling and you decided to go that route or, or what was that transition so, and thought process? Yeah, like? I moved over to the corporate side in 2010. And uh, when I was in production, I was in production with Sotheby's and I had my, my very first sale was $6.4 million. And my second sale was 13 million. And, um, and it was, and I came from an investment banking world. So in my mind, that was all I was comfortable with. I didn't know how to sell a $300,000 condo. And so I, you know, I was naive enough 
to sort of think I could do it. And nobody told me you're crazy if you really think that super luxury is how you're going to break in. Right. And so, um, but I, you know, I, I did. And so that was where I was. And that's where the majority of my business was. And when I was, um, when I actually moved over to corporate, it was in 2010. And I remember it was Mike Good was the um, uh, the CEO of Sotheby's uh, worldwide at the time. And he and I were uh, good friends because I was one of those agents that was on the radar for production to corporate. And most of my clients were international clients that were buying into, um, into real estate. And by the way, I actually had a separate conversation with my clients. You can't do this now, but you know, I was sort of looking at real estate as a currency hedge for their investments. So I spoke to them from a financial point of view, and a lot of them were some of my old financial clients. Um, so I wouldn't advise doing that now. But it was uh, it was something that was true in that point in the market almost 20 years ago. And so when you start looking at it, then it was how you position yourself in the marketplace. And so in 2010, um, there was a um, they were looking to expand the European network for Sotheby's. And they uh, they couldn't find anyone that they wanted. And so um, Mike Good was somebody that I truly respected. And he says, do you ever think of coming on to the corporate side? And I said, not really. And so we had a lot of conversations back and forth. And long story short, it was just something that made sense to me at the time. I moved to London for five years and I built the European network for Sotheby's. And it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And then I came back and I did it for all of the brands at Realogy. And that's really how the career on the corporate side started. And then now I, 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 I absolutely have loved the trajectory that I had and really what we're building here at EXP. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Always, uh, always a good time to see you and hang out and uh, chit chat. So I look forward to seeing you. I guess Cabo will be our next one. I'll see you in Cabo. All right, man. I will see you there. All so right. appreciate everyone showing up today. And, Thank you so much, everybody. Really a pleasure to be with all of you. How can get people get in touch? You've got a podcast as well. So uh, where do they find that? So everything is, all of my social handles is Michael Valdez Global. Um, so everyone can find me on any social network there. I also have my own website, which has the podcast, which is michaelvaldezglobal.com. I'm super easy to find. There you go. <laughs> and Valdez is with an S. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. See you, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks, Levi. Bye. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.